0: Good afternoon or good evening, at whichever time you're listening to this. Welcome to another episode of When Life Happens podcast, where we talk to interesting people and discuss fascinating ideas. I am Huna
1: Chatterjee. And I'm Prashant Kumar. Today on this episode, we have Mr. Vineet Patwari, co-founder of Stock Analytics App, Stock Edge. He's proficient in financial marketing learning profiles. He's a CA, he's an I IM Indore alumni. Welcome, sir, to the podcast.
2: Hi, Una and Prashant. Thanks a lot for having me here in your very, very interesting podcast. I'm very excited to talk to your uh, listeners.
1: Yeah,
0: thank, thank you. Thank you so much. So, first of all, the most basic question, I guess you might be hearing everywhere. How has the COVID-19 or the lockdown been for you?
2: <laughs> so... COVID-19 personally to me and my business, it has been a blessing in disguise. I feel sad when I say this, but this is the truth Uh, because most of the people were sitting at home and stock markets are open throughout. This was one industry which was open throughout the COVID-19. So, people were participating in stock market and Stockage is an app which helps users to participate in markets, to analyze their own own stocks. Plus, we have another platform called elearnmarkets.com, which is for financial market learning. And as you know, the entire education uh, sector, the edtech platforms like ours saw a big boost because people were again available and and there was propensity to learn new things. And, uh, you know, we, we got a good advantage of that. But at the same time, on a personal front, I saw a lot of people who got affected. And I, I tell to all your users, be careful. COVID is not gone yet. We have to live with it for some time. So be very, very careful.
0: So I was, you know, reading about your background and everything. And I read that your first app was fired up and it took one year to, you know, for the app to start working or for the organization to start working. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I really want to know that, that the time between fire up being an idea to it, getting actually fired up, what did you go through?
2: So, uh, thanks Suna, for asking that question. That reminds me of my first startup, which is fire up. Okay. Uh, so after passing out from I am indoor in the year 2008, I was of the opinion that financial, you know, learning online, as I told you just now, learning online will be very big in times to come because this was a problem which I wanted to solve that for learning or for educating oneself, a person has to go to a good college and good colleges are rare. Good teachers are rare. So not all have the uh, I would say fortune to go to such colleges. So I wanted to solve this problem and I wanted to take education online. So I started fire up. Actually, the idea came when I was in the college and I started executing in terms of plan, etc. And it took almost uh, nine months to 12 months to develop the product. See, your product needs to be very, very sound when you want to do something new. But after working for around one and a half years, two years on it, I realized that 2008 was the time when I did this. And I realized that it's a little too early for people to accept learning online. Okay, so uh, then I switched my you know career a little bit, and uh, then finally eLearn Markets happened, which was again a edtech platform, but now this time it was into financial markets, which was my educational background also. I am a chartered accountant and I am an MBA finance. So and my passion for uh, making digital platforms, learning digital platforms came together in the next venture with I did with another partner called Vivek Bajaj uh, in the name of eLearnMarkets.com. So that's what I'm doing right now. And ideas take time to execute. Uh, the the more you get experience, the faster you can execute your ideas. So uh, with God's grace, now when we start something, it takes a little lesser time uh, to get the ball rolling. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh, as you have told that you have tried your hands on few startups you have been mm-hmm. as me and i am and or alumni you have seen ups and downs in life so what was the most important life lesson that you got and what changes did you notice when you tried implementing the less like uh, tried implementing the things that you were short of
2: uh, that's an amazing question and i'll restrict you know uh, there are a lot of learnings we learn every day right yeah. i'll restrict that to one of my most important business learning that can be implemented to personal life. Also that when you are working to grow, to make a business, to make it grow, team is the most important resource you have. Your people are the most important, uh, you know, and they are more important. You need to understand this very carefully that they are more important than the customers and even the shareholders. Because your team members, the people who are working in your organization, they are the ones who will ensure that customers are kept happy, and they keep coming back and they keep giving more revenue to your organization. And these are the people who will ultimately generate good returns for your shareholders too. So if you don't understand this point that everything starts from your people, you lose the bigger battle. So that's, that's have been my biggest learning and, uh, what impact it had, you know, the, the whole way I think about my people now have changed over time. Right? So training them becomes an extremely essential component of my leadership, uh, rewards and recognitions, incentivization, all of that becomes extremely crucial. And I am, with God's grace, I am very fortunate to have a very, very great team. We are now a team of almost 150 people operating out of Kolkata.
1: I just wanted to ask one thing. Like as anything gets a boom in our society, people tend to follow it without using their head. So is the scene with startups like startups are emerging in india so every every student and everybody in india wants to do a startup but is it just that you think something and start like i want to know what's the th- thought process before you get into that what's the work that's needed before you get it out for people
2: so again a good question especially for people who want to you who are aspiring to become st- entrepreneurs Uh, Let me tell you, you know, a lot of people get too hooked up with the ideas and I feel that the ideas are, you know, important, but not the most crucial part of your startup. Everyone gets a lot of ideas, right? So no one has got the monopoly on ideas. What is extremely important is you should have a, you know, I'll summarize it like this for you, that there are three fundamental responsibilities which you need to have when, when you are starting something. Uh, People will look up to you. So you need to have these three things. Number one, you should have a very clear vision, which will set your path and which will set your team's path towards future. So a very clear vision. Second is you should have the capability to align various resources, especially people, because there will be tussle between various stakeholders, various resources you have. You need to align them. And the third, which is most important is you should be a champion of execution ideas, little lesser or more will do, but execution, you have to be world-class if you want to something very, very valuable. So these things you need to keep in mind while starting a startup, right? Pen down your ideas, make it as structured as possible, pen down your vision also, so that you can share it with people and bring along the like-minded people to help you in your journey. So that's, that's my uh, view on that.
0: Okay. So, you know, Vineet, you might be knowing that we are just college undergrad students. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you one thing that how important do you think the knowledge of finance, where mm-hmm. you must invest and where you might not is mm-hmm. for an undergrad or a college student like us and how should we grow that knowledge?
2: <laughs> that's a, that's a question which is directly related to my business. So I, I'll give a disclaimer that whatever I'm answering is not to promote my business, but I'll just tell you that learning finance, whichever stream you are coming from, whether you are an engineer or a medical student or a commerce graduate, you need to be aware of personal financial, you know, you need to be aware of your, how to manage your finances, especially your personal finances. So the knowledge is extremely important. I would say because of three reasons. Number one, you should look at it as a life skill because if you can't manage your finances, that will lead to your wealth erosion in long term. Let me draw a very, very simple um, scenario for you. Right now, the rate of interest which you get from an FD is almost equal or lower than the inflation rate, which means that your money if it is just lying there you have some salary you save some money right but if it is just lying there without getting invested then your money is actually getting you know devalued the you are losing the money and this concept is the simplest concept if you get into personal finance so you need to understand this concept that you need to invest your money otherwise you are degrowing. second is it can lead to wealth creation First is it can save you from wealth destruction. Second is it can lead to wealth creation, right? You can invest your money in right kind of resources and your money will earn money for you. And the third, which is most important as a student is it can be a great career builder. See, the Indian financial markets are here to grow by leaps and bounds in years to come. And they will provide enormous opportunities uh, both for career and for uh, getting self-employed. So, I would say everyone should dabble into learning personal finances like we learn computers. Nowadays, computers are more or less everyone knows them by default. Similarly, learning finance should be default not only in colleges but also in schools. That's my personal opinion.
1: Yeah, uh, I just want to ask you like Hmm. just an opinion and a question that to follow. up. In general, in India, people don't like to discuss money. Like, what do you Mm. think? Why is personal finance and talking about money in India still a taboo? And how is it impacting us?
2: See, you need to understand it a little psychologically that there are societies which are wealth-oriented societies and there are societies which are status-oriented societies. India is more of a status-oriented society where ijat, you know, Mm -hmm. is more important and your social status is more important. And let me remind you, social status is not always coming from wealth, right? Whether if you look at Western societies, some of them, US, UK, you know, and a lot of other countries, Western countries, mm-hmm. these are more wealth-oriented countries, okay? Mm-hmm. In India, capitalism is looked down upon.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah.
2: We, we say that we are a free market economy, but the government policies, etc., the doles which they... Uh, give out the social schemes which they have. It looks more like a social, uh, socially oriented economy, social oriented economy. So people's mindset is basically created by the culture, by the society around that money is not very important. They, they know from inside that money is important. It can solve a lot of your problems, but they always dislike as a culture to chase money, right? And people who have money are, hated are aboard slowly people in the next generation, the millennial generation is coming out of this mindset. And I'm very, very optimistic that this will give a lot of growth to our country, because when people will start working with this mindset that ultimately the value is in terms of the money, which you earn, right? There's nothing wrong about it and you need to grow in life. And the parameter of growth is how much money you have. Right? Don't get into any dubious means of doing that. But yes, money in itself is not wrong. If you use it in the wrong way, it's wrong. Right, So things will slowly change and it's changing already. Uh, and, and with financialization of savings, a lot of people who were so far away from financial markets, from uh, personal financing are now getting into this mode where they feel that their traditional way of putting money in LIC or putting money in... Uh, FDs is not helping them anymore. Now they are exploring new revenues like stock markets, mutual funds. So things are improving at a drastic pace, trust me. And I'm very optimistic about India's future in that regard. The question was very good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So right now you are, um, you know, you are the founder of, uh, stock edge and eLearn markets and I think career skills. Am I right?
2: career skills is something which we have kind of discontinued okay Uh, it was a based training which which was there but uh, now elon markets and stockage yes i'm one of the co-founders i have other co-founders also yeah
0: yeah so what is the biggest challenge you're facing right now with your role right now and how do you plan to overcome the challenge you're facing
2: see at stockage we have almost got 2 million users Okay. And with eLearn Markets, we have 500,000 users. Uh, the biggest challenge is to sustain this growth uh, and, and obviously increase the sp- pace of growth in times to come. Uh, that's, that's the biggest challenge. And how do I plan to overcome this kind of challenge? See, if, you, if growth is your single most biggest challenge, then as a digital marketer, as a uh, person who is heading a business like that, Growth hacking comes to my mind, obviously. Uh, And then there are things which we are doing to sustain this growth and increase it further. I would love to discuss that also later. Yeah,
0: Yeah, actually, that was one of the questions I was willing to ask you that growth hacking Mm -hmm. is a relatively new term and a relatively new field of marketing. Mm -hmm. So how do you, like, can you explain it in layman's terms to the listeners as well as us?
2: Sure, sure. See, growth hacking well, was always there, which basically means that you grow at a, you know, very good pace compared to your uh, competitors. Say, and when I say growth, in in uh, historical terms, it was basically revenue. But now the users become important. So let's say you have an app and you want to get to two million u- users quickly, right? Obviously, you need to, and quickly is very important because earlier people. We're willing to give time to business to grow. But now everyone is in hurry, you know, right? There are so many startups which are growing at such mind-boggling speed. So if you are slow, you're left behind. So basically the marketing has to evolve and this term came up. And now this is a buzzword, right? Uh, How I define growth hacking is the creative, cost-effective and calculated ways in which you can grow users extremely fast is growth hacking. So these three C's you need to keep in mind, it has to be creative, cost-effective, and calculated. So when I say calculated, I mean it should be backed by data and analysis. So if you have all of that, you are working on growth hacking. right? Uh, And one very important aspect of that is it's, it's not only online. People generally believe that growth hacking is restricted to only digital marketing. No, I would uh, beg to differ on that. What I feel is you can growth hack in whatever business you have, something which we can give you faster pace, faster speed in the growth of revenue or profits or users. That's what is growth hacking, right? Have I answered your question?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, thank you for... Because I was really confused at what actually growth hacking is. Like, look, you know, we have seen examples of growth hacking yeah. in and, our... You know? Yeah. yeah. So, we have yeah. seen examples of growth hacking, but we didn't know the term. Many of us did not. And thank you yeah. for sharing that. Yeah.
1: So, uh, one more question on growth hacking, Vineet, uh, I really yeah. To, yeah I really wanted to know this. Like, you defined it pretty well. Like, Anybody can understand that. But w- how actually growth hacking works? Suppose, uh, let me give you a case study. Suppose this is our podcast. We have published three episodes. This is a case study. And if we want this to grow, what would be the growth hacks uh, one could use, like us, we can use? It's for people to understand oh, how it that
2: works. Uh, that's a wonderful case study because you can go ahead and implement what I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to just give you two months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you two mantras today. So, you know, as a product manager, so your product is your podcast, okay? Yeah. My product is stock edge, my product is Elon Markets. As a product manager, a person who is heading the product, you need to include certain features in your product which are which makes it shareable, which makes it brag-worthy, which means people would love to talk about it. Okay. So for example, let me give you an example. So we had this Uber app, which came to India. So when, when it actually came, it was giving out money, something close to 1500 rupees, if you bring another person to, you know, download the Uber app. So you get 1500 rupees, they get 1500. Now it is, I think, reduced to what, some 50, 60 rupees over a period of time. Right. So what is, what were they doing? They were basically saying that you bring in more people. So. Let's say I calculated my cost of acquisition is 1500 rupees and I'm willing to share it with my users and us- users are uh, doing that because they get that money and the other party also get the money. So this was a small growth hack. So product led growth. Just think about it. Product led growth. What all can you do in your product so that people refer? So there are referral programs. There are, you know, there, there, there are these uh, uh, coins which you give, right? You have rewards, recognitions, et cetera, which you do for your users, which lead to some super normal growth because people are sharing it, right? So that is number one. And with that, I come to the second point, which is very, very big, right? If you can actually capture it and it is called OPN. So the second point, which I was making is OPN, which is other people's network. And if you can utilize it and you can scale it, no one can stop you from growing. So when I say other people's network, think about it. Let's say there is this person on Twitter who has got 10,000 followers, right? And he starts talking about your podcast. So today, let me give you an example, like your case study. So you made this. Now you'll made it make it live. You will share the link with me. On my Twitter, I have 4,000 followers. On my LinkedIn, I have 10,000 followers. On my Facebook, I have 5,000 followers. So what I'll do is, the moment you will give me the link, I'll share it everywhere, right? Yeah. I might not do that also, but let's say if you put a special request that share it with, you know, this has come out amazingly and you can share it with your followers, then who is gaining out of that? Obviously, I am gaining something, but you are also gaining those users, right? So it should be part of your strategy that people with higher social media reach, you should interview them first. Okay? You got my point? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So use the other people's network. That's the
1: other thing. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. Another, another thing I want to talk about uh, in this episode is digital marketing. Like many of us Mm -hmm. don't really understand what it is. Like we see broadly what it is and how it goes, but nobody like in our circle, at least understands Mm -hmm. what actually digital marketing is, how it works. Mm -hmm. So could you just brief uh, people about
2: that? Uh, sure. So, see, digital marketing, as the term defines, it's marketing digitally. Okay. Don't confuse it with anything else. The, the more important component of the two terms is marketing, right? Digital is just the avenue where you are doing it. And obviously, based on the avenue, the modus operandi changes. But it is still marketing. And the basics of marketing, which you have learned in your college using Philip Kotler still applies to digital marketing that's point number one so i'll give you a model for marketing you know very simple model for marketing which is called ida which is awareness interest desire and action so for any marketing campaign which you do you first need to create awareness about your brand about your product right and this awareness should be aimed towards creating interest in your product okay You can look at any advertisement. Just think about any advertisement. These followed generally awareness, interest. And the third is desire. There should come a strong desire in the customer to go and buy that product. And the fourth is action. Action is when they actually think about buying it, they can, you know, the distribution should be proper. They should be able to go and buy it. Same thing is applicable digitally. So when I say awareness, if you look at the digital framework, you need to create reach or exposure, right? This I'll, I'll give you for your, for, for your memory. You can uh, put it as seven R of digital marketing from my side. And the first R is reach. Reach is basically awareness. And how do you create reach online? You need to be present on social media, on search engines, on uh, Google, on ads, various places where you can be digitally on various platforms which are relevant to your industry. Like for example, if you are from restaurant industry, then Zomato and Swiggy, etc. are very, very relevant for you. Right? If you are from a real estate industry, then 99 acres and magic brick is very, very important for you. Similarly, based on your industry, you will have a lot of such platforms and Google is relevant for everyone. All the social media platforms, including YouTube is relevant for you and everyone else. So first part is reach or awareness creation. In this reach itself, you have two more hours, which is you need to reach to the relevant audience, reaching to unre- you know, in, in, useless platforms is not very, very, so for example, if you have limited resources, you should first look at social media platforms, which are relevant to you and not probably Pinterest, which might not be interest of you. So, so, you know, there's something there. And the third one is reputation. One-time exposure is not enough for any kind of marketing, especially digital. You need to continuously repeat it, and there comes a concept which is called remarketing, wherein if you see a product digitally, that product keeps chasing you on all the websites. You might have noticed that you looked at a top, um, you know, let's say I'm talking, Una, Una. You went online and you looked at Mintra, you looked at a particular beautiful top, and now that top is chasing you on all the websites wherever you go. As I add right that's called yeah. remarketing right which is basically repetition so these are the first 3 hours then comes retention let's say if you one have you, you know after all the reach you have acquired a user that user have come to your website right now you acquired the user you need to retain it and to re- to retain you need to continuously engage with that user on various platforms especially through emails sms push notifications etc you need to retain that user then comes if it's a subscription product, let's say you are a Netflix or you are a Maxter, right? You need to have you need to think about renewable, renewal. Every year or every month, people need to renew. Let's say I got you after a lot of efforts, and you once subscribe to Netflix, one month gone. After that, you are no more there with the company. So acquisition is always very, very expensive. So you need to make sure that your renewal rate is good. Then is referral. That you are so happy that you are referring other people to me as a product. So referral is very important. And you need to ask for referral also, right? As a podcaster, I would suggest always ask people to share it with their friends who can benefit out of it. So ask for referral. And the last but not the least, most important mantra is revenue. You need to understand what, how will you monetize? How will you take money, right? So the revenue aspect comes towards the end. And these are the seven hours and there are certain, issues, you know, from my side is now today when you look at it, the digital marketing is evolving at a very, very fast rate. Now, everything is real time. Okay. So R stands for real time in today's context, right? You cannot. Uh, so, so you purchase something, let's say at 2 AM, do you think, uh, it, it, it is okay that you get a notification after one day? No, you get a, you get a notification instantly, right? Yeah. You do is instant. So real time is very, very important. And ROI on your marketing spend is extremely important in digital marketing. See in offline marketing, it becomes a little difficult to track and understand the ROI of your campaign. But in digital marketing, it's much simpler because everything is trackable. The user clicks on your ads, on your social media. Everything is trackable, measurable. So ROI is very important. And you need to understand that things are changing very, very fast. So revolution is the word for digital marketing. It keeps changing every day. So you need to evolve with this revolution in digital marketing. So what I feel a a little summary of digital marketing might help some of you in understanding it. Yeah.
0: So, you know, after so much, after talking about digital marketing so much, do you feel that offline marketing will cease to exist in the coming years?
2: No, no, no. I don't think that at all. Uh, See, everything has its place. Uh, When we became digital in newspaper, the the newspaper didn't go away, right? With e-books, the books didn't go away. And offline marketing will never go away and will only grow. Obviously, the growth will be a little slower because now they have a new avenue called digital marketing. But yeah, it is going to stay over there. And you should be aware that the basics are same for all kinds of marketing. Just the avenues change. Yeah.
0: I would like to ask one last question Mm -hmm. before ending this. So what do you think are the phases of digital marketing? And how important is each step? So do you think that these are the seven hours we discussed or are there something
2: else? Uh, Yeah, you can uh, take them as the phases of digital marketing or I can give you another model uh, which is very well accepted funnel model of digital marketing, which is basically at the top is exposure, which is equivalent to what I talked about in reach or in our traditional model, the awareness. So exposure. So you give as, as much exposure of your brand, of your product to people everywhere second is discovery which is people coming to your website or your podcast channel or your youtube channel whichever place you want they need to discover it go through it spend some time with it third is consideration if it's an e-commerce platform the consideration to buy if it's a podcast consideration to subscribe if it's a youtube channel again consideration to subscribe and the fourth step is conversion that they actually do it. You tell them to do it repeatedly, and they do it right. And the fourth, you know, the fifth one is customer relationship. Once they become a customer, once they convert, the relationship with them, keeping them engaged, right. And the last but not the least is retention. So this is these are the phases of digital marketing, and uh, I feel these are more you know more or less overlap with the Rs which I told you. So whichever theory you with uh the basics are always the same the fundamentals are same so just stick around and and do uh what you are doing right and keep learning new things because everyone is learning marketing. there's no one who knows it all right so so that's that's my answer on the phases and yes. uh, yeah
1: before you go uh, i'd like to ask you uh for some advice like you have you have been through life and achieved so much seen so many things any any advice you'd like to give to us and our listeners uh, that might benefit them and us as well?
2: Prashant, uh, first of all, thank you for saying that, but I'm just a learner myself, right? Uh, in terms of some of the, I would not say advice, but I'll share what I learned from uh, my journey in the last 12 years, 10, 12 years. Uh, see, the most important uh, Quality of an entrepreneur, of a person who wants to start something on his own is perseverance. So you need to stick around. You need to be there, right? Things will, there will be ups and downs. You need to be there. You need to maintain your calm and exposure to various fields. Just stick around. Just don't leave things in hurry. Just don't give up too early because, you know, it's always the darkest before we see the light. So just stick around, perseverance. Second one, I feel, is for your people, you should always be there. Stick your neck around for people who trust you. You know, And these people are your team members. These people are your shareholders. Your, these people are your customers. You need to be there for them always. And last but not the least, again, is pivot. Keep pivoting. Keep changing. If you have to fail, fail fast. Learn fast and keep adopting keep changing be flexible in your approach right don't be rigid otherwise things will change and you will be left behind so keep changing but still stick around don't give up so that's my uh, you know small advice you might say to the startup aspirants so that's all
0: so i would like to ask one more thing that as you know the name of this podcast is when life happened podcast so could you just say in a few lines that when did you realize life happened for you? When did you know life change from the happy-go-lucky time we thought it would be and it became real for you?
2: <laughs> that's, that's a very uh, beautiful question. Uh, see, uh, I faced a personal uh, challenge in my life, right? Um, in a summary, without going too deep into that, in a summary, I'll say, you actually start feeling that life is happening to you after having a, you know, something which, which actually kind of takes a toll on you, right? Some challenges, some difficulties, some struggle in your life. When you are all happy go round, life is not happening too much to you. There is this beautiful book, um, Meaning of Life, right? You should read that. And, and it basically says that struggles are there for a meaning. Struggles are not there without a meaning. See, struggle is there in everyone's life. When you see a big struggle in your life, that's when you grow. And when you come out of it, you feel good. You are a better, more learned. You can take life's challenges hands-on. So I feel struggles are what makes your life worthwhile. And uh, that's that, that might be a little difficult for a few people to understand who have not gone through that kind of struggle. But trust me, if struggle happens to you, don't complain to God that why am I struggling so much? Why it's happening to me? Trust me, it's happening for a good reason. If you yes. come out of it, you will be stronger and better.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much, sir, for your time. That was a lovely conversation when you when we loved, loved talking to you. It was a lovely episode. You're the most
0: humble person
1: Thank we you have you. ever Thank you.
0: met.
2: Thank you. Thank That's you so, so kind of you to say that. Thank you, Huna. Thank you, Prashant. Thank you so much. Thank you, for sir. Having Thank you, sir.